Hello everyone and welcome back to those of you that have been joined for the last few podcasts and for those just joining us for the first time, we're glad that you are here. I am Mila and I'm joining you from Amsterdam with a special guest that we will introduce later. And I'm Katie and I actually changed coast for this episode and I am in hot and humid Orlando, Florida in the United States with another special guest that we'll introduce in just a moment as well. Great. So let's get started. In our last episode, we explore a bit around how we are all unique in our own ways and are shaped by our own life experience and context. Today, we're going to shift a bit to talk about that four-letter word that we have been conditioned to feel really bad about saying. You know that one, help. Like, it's super interesting, right? It's a short word and it's super loaded. It's something that we're eager to give, but we feel guilty about taking it and we praise others for asking for it, but then we feel ashamed when we need it ourselves. We pass judgment on others who don't ask for it, yet we pass judgment on ourselves for asking for it. So it's super loaded, right? Yeah. And asking and giving help is such a key component to the what the House of Apis is all about. It's actually part of our first and second pillar. And actually the third pillar as well, because of solidarity and something that can be so beneficial to us as we navigate life uh, that we thought it would be worth to have a focused conversation and one podcast to talk about help. So maybe to get us started, why don't we just, uh, and before we introduce our guests, why don't we talk a little bit about the background of why asking for help can feel so heavy to so many of us. Based on tons of articles that Mila and I have been reading and exploring on this topic, there's some common themes as to why people struggle with asking for help. And some of them are that people want to be independent-minded and doing things on their own and want to be known, you know, known for the fact that they can be self-sufficient and can take care of themselves. It's hard sometimes to surrender control to someone else. It's asking for help can sometimes feel like you weren't able to control your own environment and do the things around that. We get worried that it makes us look weak or needy, or even to some people, it makes them feel like they're incompetent. There's a fear of the person you ask for help saying no or scolding you for asking for it. You don't want to feel indebted to others. Some people feel like this, this great burden of I've asked for help from this individual and now I owe them something. I have to pay them back for what they helped with. There's a, a perception that it's a personal deficiency or we've just been burned before we've asked for help and it's ended up either haunted us and that somebody like ended up calling in a favor that we weren't prepared to do, or we felt like it didn't turn out the way that we wanted to. I think the other piece is sometimes people just don't know where to go. I don't know who to ask for help. I don't know who to reach out to. And, and then finally, one of the things that came up is that there's a lack of trust sometimes in others agenda or motivation to help. And that can happen in both a personal and a professional environment. So those are some of the, the reasons that we saw that people struggle to ask for help. And then we have the other side of the coin, right? So what is the cost when we don't ask for help and what is at risk and what happens? It could be in any way, personal or professional. One of the things that could happen is that you lose productivity, right? You don't know how to do something and then you stall or delay or just stop doing something that you uh, might have done. You also could have a sense of loneliness. You feel that you are alone on this, that you cannot get through something just because you didn't ask for help. You can also uh, shape how 
other people perceive you. Sometimes it is easy to see that somebody is struggling. Also that you see how other people are deflecting help. So they really don't want it or they are just not searching for it. So then people perceive it that way. And then they maybe make their mind of you don't want to be supported at all. And that could actually get you to be alienated from others. And that is one of the risks that you can have. It could be also that you lose trust in yourself and in others just because you are not completing a task or you are not going through something just because you wanted to do it alone or you didn't think of asking for help. And you miss opportunities for growth for yourself and for others. And also miss the opportunity to see things through a different perspective because somebody could tell you something in a different way and then you can learn from that. And to expand your network or a support circle. And that could be something useful as well for you. It's so funny because you say the part you said about the opportunity to see things through a different perspective. That's usually half my problem is like I'm so mired in the the challenge or the issue. I can't see the other options or the other opportunities. So I think that's a super huge point. I think though, like from the examples that I shared and the examples that Mila shared, you can tell there's this innate tension. Like the the benefits expand your visibility to what you're trying to solve. They expand your network. They give you some um, breathing space. It helps you figure out how to catch your breath so you can navigate something. But on the other hand is this sense of what are you losing by reaching out to ask for help? And some of those things connected to self-respect and um, self-sustainment and control, right? Like it's just this huge tension. And so, you know, this is why with the House of Baptist and part of what is core to it is the ability for this community to reach out and ask for help when they need it. And so we felt this was a a topic that was important for us to take on early because we really want to help this community find a way to reach out to each other and ask for help when they it. And it's also why we've invited a few guests to join us in on the conversation because we needed help on having this topic. So we'll be bringing them on in just a moment. Yes. So before we bring them on, it's time to go for our compelling question of this episode. And today we thought that we would going to stay within the same topic and just be curious about what is a moment in your life that you should have asked for help and you didn't. So we are going to start with ourselves asking this question and answering, and then you can also tell us your thoughts on social media later on. So Katie, a moment in your life that you should have asked for help and you didn't, and why? And why? Because that whole list that we (laughs) talked about, I I was thinking about this because there's like tons of moments in my life where I should have and I didn't. But the one I think of, I I always go back to the the most because I think I would absolutely handle it different today, knowing what I know today was in my late 20s and early 30s, I was feeling the repercussions of a large student loan and the fact that every credit card company on the face of the earth was willing to give a college student a credit card. And I took those credit cards and I used them liberally. And and then I bought a car, like when I got out on my own. And so at some point, all these financial obligations just came to a head. I was, my car was almost repossessed. My phone was ringing nonstop with people trying to collect debts. I would literally go into my house, unplug my phone and sit in the closet crying because I didn't know what to do. 
And I was so ashamed for accumulating the debt. I was so upset that as somebody who is very proud of how independent and, and self-sustaining that I couldn't take care of this problem on my own. And in, and frankly, like I couldn't find a way out of it, but I was super, super embarrassed to ask for help. And so at some point in time, I think my parents just happened to call one of the times I was sitting in the closet and I answered the phone and I was just sobbing. And both my parents are very big sticklers on being responsible. And then my mom has her financial systems and everything. So that layered on even this other layer of guilt with it. And finally, I just like... I'm so in debt. I can't get out of it. People are trying to get money. I can't pay for this money. I can't, I'm living off of wheat bread and ranch dressing sandwiches. Like I'm not even eating well. And, and I don't know how to get out of this. And my parents loaned me the money that I needed to get these things paid off. So I was fortunate in that I had them as a, an outlet to help me in that. But the thing for me was, and the aspect that helped me retain a little bit of that self-dignity and control was the agreement I made with them about how I was going to pay that off. And it was very important for me to pay that off. And I, I was diligent about that. And in fact, when it got to the end, my dad, ah, you don't have to do it. And I'm like, no, dad, I, I, I need to do this. I need you to take the money. You do whatever you want with it. I don't care, but I need to pay this money off because it's the way that I'm going to regain my self-respect for finding myself in this situation. But I think about how long I let that go because I was embarrassed, ashamed, and was afraid to ask for help. So that's my moment. And now I'm like super anal retentive about my finances, but <laughs> I don't want to have to ask for that again. Uh, but that's my example. What about you? Yeah. So my example, I could uh, look for many examples and I could talk about many different things. But the one thing that comes to mind actually is there was a moment in time and I think I was in college and I might have been in the US, I don't know, but I had this uh, idea that I needed to, to talk to somebody like a psychiatrist or something like that because I was sad. I was very, very sad. And I didn't know where it was coming from. And when you were talking about, you don't know where to go and how to go and you know where to find this help. I was, I was very, very sad. And I remember that it's not something that have happened only once. It have happened to me several times. And I never vocalized this. I never said to my parents when I was a teenager or anything, okay, I feel sad. And I, and I didn't have any reason to be sad. I was just, you know, depressed, obviously. And now I know, but I didn't know then. And there was a moment when I was living in the US, I was doing my MBA that I had in the school, there was this doctor clinic or whatever for the students. And I actually went there and I went to for a psychologist, but it took me a long time. And I actually didn't tell anybody about this. I actually don't even know that I have told anybody this, that I went then. And that is- Now you, you know, told everybody. Now I told everybody. Yeah, exactly. But I think at that moment, I was very scared in a way, or what did that mean? Or why was I sad? And it, it was a way to think about, was I ungrateful? I had everything, right? I was studying in Boston, beautiful city. I was fortunate enough to get a scholarship, so I didn't have to worry about money. Like you said, my parents didn't have any money. I was working in the student uh, campus. And it was perfect because then I have a little extra money 
from besides mm-hmm. the scholarship. So I was like, why am I sad? And I had very good friends many years passed until I finally was diagnosed with depression and I started taking medicine. And even to this day, it is something that for me is very difficult to talk about with my family or friends, even from Venezuela, just because it's also a context part, right? It's a social thing. It is okay. In Venezuela, that depression isn't really, you don't talk about it. I don't know how it is right now, but you didn't talk about it. And so it was very difficult for me and I didn't know where to ask for help and what to do, but that is something that I would completely do different now. And I think that for me is so important, everything that has to do with mental health, because locally I'm feeling much better and feeling much happier and I feel a lot healthier, but it's maybe around the corner anytime. And I know that there are people that actually have had it worse than me. So I think that is uh, something that I definitely would do differently. And I would have asked for help earlier. Yeah. 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 So that's a little bit from Mila and I, you'll hear more from us on this, but, but we want to hear from all of you on this compelling question of the uh, episode. And as Mila mentioned, come find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, where we'll post today's compelling question and look forward to hearing you share what is a moment in your life that you should have asked for help, but you didn't. And why didn't you? Love to hear your stories. Yeah. So it's time to introduce our guests. Um, yeah, enough about yeah. us. <laughs> yeah, so then I'm going to uh, give the word to Francie that is next to me. And, and she's a friend that I met here in Amsterdam. And I think I asked for her help uh, several times, not only for this podcast, but it's a source of great source for me as a friend here in, in Amsterdam. So I'm going to leave it up to you to introduce yourself. Now, hi, everybody. Thanks for having me here. I feel honored. My name is Francie and indeed Mila and I met in Amsterdam many years ago. I've been living here for almost 23, 24 years and you also. So we are foreign Dutchies. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm from South Africa indeed. I I didn't mention that. Yes. Yeah. So I'll introduce our other guest, which is my dear friend, Laura, who we met here. We worked in the same location. We met here in Florida. I think we've known each other for 20 years. something years, 20 yeah, plus years. over 20 years. <laughs> and we've gotten in trouble together and we've had fun together. <laughs> Sometimes at the same time. Exactly. Exactly. So maybe share a little bit about yourself, Laura. Thanks, Katie. I'm so excited to be here with Mila and Francie and Katie and talk about this topic. Um, My name is Laura. I'm a native Floridian, so other side of the world. I am a mom, a grandmother, a training manager, a student. So just a lot of stuff going on all in the A volunteer. Volunteer. Yeah, you're right. A political junkie. (laughs) So I think just a student of life is how I describe myself. Awesome. We're glad. We're so glad to have both of you with us. Okay. So then uh, why don't you ladies answer our, the compelling question? Tell us about a moment 
that you should have asked for help and then you didn't. And uh, why? What was your motivation? So Francie, I'll start with you. Yeah, I also have many examples. So <laughs> I, I actually thought about this. I knew you were going to ask this question somehow. <laughs> so yes, the, the main one I think for me was becoming a mom at the age of 44 in a foreign country, working mom. So yeah, suddenly I had two jobs and I, with hindsight, my boy is now 12 years old, almost 13. And if, when I look back at things now, I realized how hard I was working and how small the radius that I operated in had become, but also very productive, but killing when I look back now. And why didn't you ask for help? I don't know if we're going to get to this question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's because of the, what you expect of yourself and the, the perfect, the perfect, everything you thought you had to be and would mm -hmm. be and can be, you just kept going like a machine. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't know better. And you also, where do you go? Asking, you don't want to go and sit with a lonely mom's club in the park at the sand pit with, with, where yeah. they all sit with their babies because you have to be there with the baby. Very Now with hindsight, I realized that I didn't even think of it. I didn't even consider it, but I was suffering. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I spoke to you about it every now and then. Yeah. I remember, but yeah. yeah, maybe at that stage, not realizing that I was asking for help. Yeah. And I appreciate those talks very much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's why Laura, how about you? So it's interesting that Francie brought up a life altering situation. I had a similar experience in the sense that I was married very young and decided to get divorced 20 years later. So I had gone from being a child to being married and a mother and carrying on a household and that kind of thing. And when I got divorced, I felt adrift and I needed for people to feel like I was okay about it because I had already felt like I had failed at marriage. Now was I gonna fail at divorce? And I couldn't reach out to my married friends because people who are married are a little skittish around people who are divorced. And I couldn't reach out to my single friends because they hadn't yet been through that. And so they couldn't understand what I was going through. And so I went through a period of uncertainty around my future, emotionally, financially, all of that where I was trying not to appear lonely, as you said, Francie, right? I didn't want to go to the lonely divorcees club, but I was, I was lonely and, and I needed to look like I was successful at it. And so there were times where I was having that Katie moment where I was sitting in a closet and then I would come out of that closet looking like I had all of it handled and I should have said, I'm suffering, just like you said. So let me ask you, so we've all, so we all have our tales. That's why I think this episode is so interesting because I think it's a universal, I, I don't know. I'm sure there are people out there that have no problem, but I don't really actually know anybody that 
has not struggled with asking for help or has had a moment that I could see they needed help, but I, I can tell they're not asking for it. So my question to all of us are, are like, why do you think, I, I listed through some of the stuff, but I'd like to know what you all think. Why asking for help is so hard for so many people. What do you think it is? And you can make it personal if, if it's easier to say, right? I don't know about other people, but it's this way for me. I'd love to love to know. I'm looking at Laura, so I'm going to say, why don't I start with Laura? I think for me is that because I have such an extroverted personality and because I do tend to juggle so many things at the same time, I think people already have an assumption of me that I can handle things. And so when they throw a ball at me, if I feel like I can't pick it up, then I failed at that. Mm. And so I allow myself to continue to take on more things rather than tossing the ball back and saying, I need help with this or putting the ball down and saying, not now. I don't want to look like I can't handle it. Yeah. And so for me, it it is pride. Or don't it, even throw that ball at me. Yeah, not today. Maybe yeah. tomorrow, but not today. And I just feel it is pride where I feel like I don't want to look like I can't do it. And sometimes I struggle with that. Well, let me throw it over to Amsterdam. Let me start with Francie and then Mila, you can chime in. I think, and I speak from my personal experience, sometimes you might not be asking directly, but you might indicate, yeah, that you're not really feeling well. And, I, and often you make people uncomfortable. And I think that's what scares me about asking for help. People, sometimes people don't want to hear that you're not okay. Hmm. Hmm. Um, and maybe it's happened once or twice and then you blow it up. But I think for me, that's been a reason uh, why I didn't do it in the past, but mm -hmm. I've overcome that. Yeah, I think that it's interesting that you say that also, because sometimes we make assumptions about how others feel. Yeah. And that is yeah. one of the reasons why we are not asking for help yeah. because we are making this assumption. And then sometimes people actually surprise you. And that's, uh, that's why it's, it's nice when you uh, get over it. I uh, think that the help often comes from completely unexpected directions as well. Yeah. I think one of the things, is, speaking to what Francie said, is oftentimes people will say, if you need anything, let me know. And there's two sort of issues I have with that is, first of all, we don't believe them, which is our detriment. But also when you say to somebody, if you need something, let me know, that puts the onus on the person that needs something to initiate it. And oftentimes if we wanna offer help to somebody, we should be more concrete about it and say, I'm here to do this for you, let me do it. Rather than say that open-ended, let me know. Yeah. yeah, well, I think Mila, your example was you didn't know what it was, right? Like you knew you were sad, but you didn't know why. Right. Yeah. You didn't know what to do to change that. Exactly. What, yeah. what are your thoughts on this, Mila? Yeah, because if somebody said, let me know, sometimes I don't know what I need. Good point. The other thing that is for me, it is uh, an experience is I'm the oldest. I have two brothers that are younger than me and I'm the dependable one. So somehow I'm always like the person that, and, and this is just the personal part, right? My family. 
I'm the person that they turn towards to vent. So I'm the one that is taking everything and, and it's, it's okay for me. It's not bad at all, but then somehow when it turns around and when I need to vent, I feel that I'm going to worry them. And especially when I'm, and I think I mentioned it in the first podcast, I'm single and I live alone. And then I think that for my parents and I live very far away. So then I think for my family, that is a source of worry. Okay. Does she have anybody? So who does she count with? And then if I say I'm not feeling well, or if there is a problem, it is so difficult. You feel like frustrated, like I can, how can I help her? And then I don't want them to worry because they have a lot of other things to worry about that for me are more important. That is specifically to this group of people, let's say, but it's yeah. something that is a dynamic that it forms you since you are a kid. And then you tend to do it with some other people as well. Create the stress versus relieving a stress. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's interesting as you're all talking about help. I mean, I can remember this one time at work. You might actually remember this after a, a conference that we had put together. Everybody was like, I want to help. 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 And I finally was like, you know what would help? As if you all went away and stopped helping. But it was at that moment that like I was actually getting more stressed trying to serve the people that wanted to help to help them feel like they had contributed. And, and I'm like, you know, cause so sometimes, sometimes help is a hindrance. <laughs> and so you just need your space. And now I have to take the time yeah. to assign you something to do. <laughs> yes. Yes. I have to help you help me help, help, help. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. This is a really good conversation. And there is something that I quick want to touch on before we go into the next segment. Laura, you had mentioned how you feel this type of pressure around asking for help because you're extroverted and what how people perceive you from an extroversion perspective. I'm introverted. So I'm solving it all internally. And oftentimes people like think I'm she's got it under control. Because she's not vocalizing she never anything, said anything. she's not wearing anything. Yeah, she never said anything. So I'm curious, have any of you, and, and I'm going to look to Mila and Francie in particular, because we just talked about it, is your experience, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, and how you think that plays out in this aspect of either asking for help or people perceiving how you're doing and whether they provide you help or not? I must think about that. I think I'm probably more introverted than extroverted, which means in, yeah, that people, that you don't vocalize often, especially when people say, oh, you'll be okay. And then I think, oh, you don't, you, you literally don't have the, the license then to vocalize yeah. uh, when you need help. That's probably what happens with more introverted people. But on the other hand, if you're more extroverted, then, then they think everything's okay. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. There, there is a pitfall on both sides. On both sides. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. I think that for me personally, people think that I'm extroverted because I'm probably because I'm loud. <laughs> <laughs> but I laugh very, very loud. I don't know, but, but I think that people just don't understand that sometimes I just need my space. And then when I retreat, it is because I'm probably needing help or I'm probably uh, sad or uh, melancholic. And the people that are closer to me, they understand and they will ask me, 
they are like, oh, you are strange. Is there something going on? But then, but the people that don't, then they just think, okay, she's too serious or whatever. But I think that is a little bit of that because I'm in the middle. I'm not fully extroverted and fully introverted. I'm actually in the mice brick. I can go either way, <laughs> uh, depending <laughs> on the day that I answer. So I think that is uh, a, a very much a pitfall because of the perception of others. Yeah. I want to touch back on something Mila said that really spoke to me, which is the perception in your family dynamic mm. of strength and responsibility and being dependable. Because I think certainly as women, we take on that responsibility of the family dynamic. I have to be the strength for my family. I have to be the organizer. I can't ask for help because I'm so busy helping everybody else. And you're right. I think there's a little bit of resentment in the sense that you feel like I can't turn around and ask them for help because they've (laughs) They depend on me. I actually, Laura, your comment is a good lead into our next uh, segment, which is our Did You Know segment, in which we believe we bring some kind of provocative information to the world and to our listeners. And we're going to stay with the theme, which uh, was, if I were to ask you all, who is more likely to ask for help, a man or a woman? And I, I apologize because I know that this is not, this is a limiting perspective on gender, but the research is pretty gender specific. Yes. So what would you think? Who is more likely to ask for help, a man or a woman? Right. I think men are more likely to ask for help in non emotion. Like, do give me a ride or <laughs> can you pick me up a Starbucks? Or Francie, what do you think? I don't know if there's a difference. Is there a difference? One would think that theoretically women would be more open. Yeah, it's so gender yeah. generalizing, but yeah. um, you would imagine that women are more emotional, but that's really stereotyping. I don't know if there's a difference. I'm actually not. Mila knows the answer, so I'm not going to wait for her answer. It turns out, right, it is, it's equal. It's, uh, we are equally likely to not ask for help, but to what Laura was saying, if Francie, you were backing up a bit, which is it's different scenarios and it's for different reasons. And women are less likely to ask for help when it is advocating for themselves or in a context that tends to be a male dominated context, Mm. um, like specific work environments like tech or in science. But men are less likely to ask for help when it is an emotionally or psychologically vulnerable scenario. Their mental health, their emotional health. Yeah, absolutely. I can understand. Yeah. So regardless of gender, uh, work context, those that ask for help are typically those who experience the greatest stress in the world, which is good that they ask for help, actually. The most satisfied with their work experience. So those that don't ask for help seem to experience less workplace stress, yet are the least satisfied with their workplace experience. So basically, if you are uh, having a lot of stress, are asking for help, but you are actually liking what you do. So then that's why you ask for help because you want to continue and succeed. It's more authentic. It comes more naturally. Yeah, probably. 
Exactly. So that is interesting to see. And that potentially accounts for the impact of being a part of a supportive community can do for increasing a sense of well-being and being connected. So traditional gender stereotypes play out when it comes for asking for help at home. So what were you mm -hmm. saying before? And there is some research that suggests that asking for help is a luxury for the privilege, that there is a lower likelihood for those making less than $50,000 US, and this is a US research, to ask for help. Yeah. yeah. But I'll, you know, I'll admit that while we were looking at this research, I, I was actually pretty surprised because I think without reading this, I would have been like, women have the hardest time asking for help. Like I would have totally, I would have picked sides. But, you know, if I think about it, it really actually makes sense that the art of asking for help and anxiety it can cause is a part of why us humans are just messy and complex creatures. And what and the research... Okay. And that's okay. That's okay. That's actually what makes life interesting. But, but what the research does tell us is that when you find a rhythm with asking and giving help, that there are definitely health and wellness and relationship benefits to that. So if you are interested in reading a bit more on this, please check out the notes for this podcast, um, where you'll find the links to some of the articles that we referenced in getting this information. And in addition, keep an eye out for our did you know posts in social media, where we'd love to hear your response to the question about asking for help and gender nuances. Yeah, I'm curious to read what people respond. Yeah. <laughs> So as we move into the last segment of this topic, let's shift the focus on how we can get more comfortable with asking for help. So what can we do? And so what? Let's talk about the so what. And as a reminder, we are joined by our friends, Francie and Laura. I keep calling you Laura, like in a Spanish way. Oh, please do. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. I very that. much enjoy how my name sounds when you say it. <laughs> Well, we promised in our first podcast, we promised that one of the things was that there were going to be a lot of accents, including the Rochester accent. Rochester. Yeah. <laughs> so, so as you can tell from this podcast, we are all on our own journeys related to asking for help. And none of us are experts. But as we say at House of Appies, we are all teachers and we are all learners. So what can we offer up to the audience? what can be done to create a positive relationship with asking for help? What do you guys think about this topic? I think to be open more generally, to be open and talk about things you struggle with. And I don't mean to go become all needy and <laughs> expose, hang out the dirty washing everywhere, <laughs> but to connect with people because you, in doing that, you discover what people can help you with and asking for help it sounds such a big thing someone's gonna resolve your big question or your big problem but it's never like that i think by talking about things you learn little bits or you get small pieces of the puzzle in order to to finish the whole puzzle and like i said earlier sometimes you find those little piece puzzle pieces in places where you'd never thought. So that's what I think, just be more open, learn to be more open and connect with people also on a personal level and even in business. Yeah, yeah. Because we are all human beings. I agree with that. And actually that makes me think about daring to be vulnerable, allowing yourself to be vulnerable yeah. because uh, I think that you always have to have this strong front and this strong face, and then you are, you can do everything, but sometimes you can't alone. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you can't, and that's okay. And that's why for us, it's so important at the House of Happy is to talk about you are imperfectly perfect because sometimes that happens. And but you, but maybe allowing yourself to be vulnerable and to to vocalize to others, it, it is okay. It is okay. Mila, when you say sometimes we can't do everything alone, my thought process is we shouldn't have to. When I think about how we can be more open and Francie, I think you're absolutely right. How do you be more open? I think it starts with building that support system. As I've gotten older and I recognize who I can trust. I've allowed myself to trust them. Uh, my female friends have become critically important to my mental health, to the success of my life. I learned this during the pandemic, especially, was I had good friends who said, we, we can help you. Tell us, you know, how to help you. And I was without a job for a very long time. And that struck me financially. And I said, you know what, how you can help me is every once in a while, you can invite me out for dinner, pick up the tab, have a drink. That releases my valve. I'm not as stressed. I've had good times with good friends. I don't have to worry about paying for it. It's little things yeah. like that. But I think build that support system that you can trust and then be open to really sharing the truth with them. Because I think, unfortunately, we say it's like everybody's life is a Facebook posting. Yeah. We only show the positives. And yeah. sometimes we need to share the ugly truths so that people can see the whole picture. Yeah. And then they know how to help us. I love you said release the valve. The other thing with you talking about building your support system, for those of you that have been listening to the podcast, you'll remember in podcast two, where we talk about your rowboat and building out who would be in your rowboat. And so as a reminder, for those of you that are new, go out to www.houseofappis.com um, and find our rowboat worksheet. But that's a whole conversation about identifying who you need in your support circle and going out to find those folks to help you to be able to release the valve and, and give yourself a little breathing room. I think Mila, with your question, I've been doing more of it during COVID, but I was trying to be better at it before. And it goes to something actually both Francie and Laura have mentioned a bit of it is, is when I see somebody that's, they're having a bad day or they just seem off. I've stopped doing the, in my head thing of, oh, they're just having a bad day. I've tried to be better about, you don't seem yourself today or you're right. Like it seems like you're kind of rough. Mila knows that I'm like, oh, you look, do, do, are you feeling okay? Right. Like, um, and tuning into that and just asking the question, are you okay? You don't seem yourself. And then just letting to your point about release the valves, like just feel free, sorry to be graphic, feel free to word vomit on me and just get it out. And sometimes maybe the only way I help is allowing for that moment. And then maybe in what I learn about the individual, there's a way that I can offer something to help them out. For Mila, I can't go and bring her soup because she's across the world and she's not feeling well. But I just like to ask those questions versus just going, oh, they're just having a bad day. Like it's, you seem like you're not yourself. And sometimes legitimately all you can do to help 
is ask the question, are you okay? And let them answer truthfully. Yeah. And not feel like you have to fix it or own it, but you're just listening. You're just that sounding board. Yep. And that's a big help. Yeah. And also, I think that we have to think about how to incorporate it into the work environment as well, because uh, sometimes I think that um, when we are trying to be vulnerable and open up and ask for help or offer help, then we feel more comfortable if we do it with a friend. But then in a work environment, and especially I would say for me as a woman and as a Latin woman in an environment that was not my own, then I always felt, okay, this is a bit like they are going to think that I'm not capable enough. And I think that now as a supervisor, as a leader in an organization, then I actually promote a culture of, or I try to promote a culture of openness and that it's okay to make mistakes, but to learn from the mistakes and then for people to be able to ask for help within a work environment. And I have to tell you that working in the Netherlands has been also an eye opener because here, maybe it is because the system and the labor laws are different that you can have this openness to say, I'm almost going to get burned out. And that is okay, that sometimes it is way too much. So I think that this topic also applies a lot into how do you behave in a professional uh, environment where there is this taboo that is asking for help. And as a woman asking for help in an environment that is tends to be, and depending obviously of the company, but tends to be very still male dominated in business, then how do you ask for help without feeling that you are weak or perceive that you are weak. So I think that is also a big thing that we have to think about. Mila and I went out to the interwebs and looked up to see what are some other ways that we could, what are some suggestions people have put out there about if you struggle with asking for help, what are some things, some small steps you could take to try and get into practice. And on that theme, right? Like one of the things that was out there was start small, just ask for help in smaller ways where little things can start adding up. So again, Laura, to your thing about release the belt. Okay. I'm, I'm not comfortable with asking for the big favor, but I'm comfortable with asking for these three small favors that alone might actually give me some breathing room. Mila, what other things did we see out there? So one of the things that it makes it very difficult sometimes is that you are asking for favors somehow. So if you reframe your request and in a way that it looks more like a conversation, like I want to pick your brain instead of a transaction, help me with this, then I think it's probably easier for people to feel that they can help you. And also at the same time, it's easier for you to, to request something or to, yeah, to ask for, for help. Yeah. And another thing, so Laura, you had mentioned the support team and having, knowing who your support team is and really actually doing that activity to get them lined up ahead of time before you need them. Each person in your life has specialties, Yeah, things that they know (laughs) and, and they would be a great resource for, let them, let them be a resource. People are, everybody has an ego. And so it feeds your ego. If somebody asks you advice about a topic, it feels like they're looking at you to be that expert or even just to help. And that feeds into your ego. It really does. Yeah. 
It's why Mila and I partnered up. We have different superpowers. We have some overlap, but we have different superpowers. So there's phone calls where I'm like, that's your world. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, you don't know. You don't want me doing that kind of thing and vice versa. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. Another thing that is important and is a tip that people use is that you have to give people the opportunity of an out. So it's okay if they say no. And it obviously depends on what you're asking and who are you asking these to, but, but it's important to say, I'm thinking about these. Is this something that you can help me with? Or what do you think about it? If you cannot, or you don't have time, or you or don't you know anybody. Uncomfortable. Exactly, or feel uncomfortable, exactly. And that is something that is very important to, to be able to say that and actually act accordingly. Appreciate the fact that this person is also being open to you and saying, I now I cannot help you. Because actually that is another, is, is a topic for another podcast, but the art of saying no, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just some last other tips, which actually chime into Francie, you're the, the example you were sharing, which is say thank you. And to your point, right? Like, I think the art of thank you notes has been lost somewhere, right? It's just the sending the card and people getting something other than a bill in their mailbox is nice and is rewarding. Pay it forward when you can give people permission to come to you when they need something. And, and last but not least, cut yourself some slack. Again, life is just too complex to tackle it all on your own to what you were saying, Laura, and like, just give yourself a little bit of breathing room. Yeah. So I'm sure all of our listeners also probably have some things that they could add on to that. So again, uh, we'd love to hear your ideas. Feel free to join the conversation at www.houseofapis.com or find us on our social media accounts uh, where we'll be looking for you to help continue the conversation. Yes, and we are getting a little bit towards the end of our podcast. And this is a part of our podcast that I love to get to because we learn a lot of good things and it's cool. It doesn't all suck because we know that there are a lot of things that are bad in the world and especially these hard times that we're living right now. And we like to highlight some stories about people that are doing great things or are things that are happening that are good and make us smile and uh, give us hope. Yeah, indeed. And today's It Doesn't All Suck is we want to give a shout out to a group that actually Mila and I have tapped into a couple of times. And we're going to highlight, it's a Facebook group that set out to help women freelancers during the pandemic. And like I said, in fact, we have regularly posted questions or responded to questions and given back ourselves. So Freelancing Females is a group that was started um, by social media and marketing consultant Tia Myers in 2017, and it was a way for her to get some insight from others and provide a forum for women freelancers to just connect. But in 2020, when the pandemic hit, she saw how closures were impacting women directly, and the group started to expand exponentially. She saw how women around the world were losing their jobs and were hoping to use their skills through freelance projects or were already self-employed and needed to find new or different clients as other contracts were getting canceled. So it's now a group of 52,000 women 
and it's growing. Um, and it's a great community where the spirit of giving and paying it forward is just fundamental. In fact, Mila and I, we found our current attorney <laughs> through this group, as well as some of the tax advisors that we screened. So it was super helpful. So check them out if you're a freelancing female, or if you're thinking about becoming a freelancer, and you can find their information in our podcast notes. And a quick shout out to Tia to say, thank you for bringing us freelancing females together. <laughs> Yes, so we are so glad you have joined us. We'd like to thank our guest speakers, Francie and Laura, who answered the call for help and agreed to join our conversation today. We so appreciate you sharing your own personal experience with asking for help and also for daring to be vulnerable and talk about your own experiences and your moments when you need a help. And uh, for all of you in the audience, we look forward to you uh, continuing the conversation on our social media channels, where we'll have today's compelling questions for all of you to respond to. But before we go, it's time for our ask. For those of you that have been, li have been listening to us, you know that we always give you a challenge to tackle. And this week, we challenge you to ask for help and offer help. Big or small, just put it out there. And when you do, we'd love for you to pause to pay attention to how you feel before, during, and after. There's no right or wrong answer. Just pay attention to how you react and respond to asking for help and giving help. And use that as a moment to understand yourself a bit more. And so we'll put that um, ask out on social media as well. And then we'd love to hear about your experiences, but that's our ask. Be brave, everybody. Ask for help, give some help. Yeah. Thank you again, Francie. Thank you again, uh, Laura. I don't know if you want to say goodbye to our audience. That and, hopefully and to you, good. it was great talking to you and <laughs> learning from you. Thank you for having us. Always great to have great women in our lives. So thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So glad. And we're like, we love being able to bring our friends to our broader House of Baptist community um, and expand our circle of friends. So thank you to both of you as well. So until the next episode, please join the House of Apis online and get out there and meet some of the other members and see how you can give and get support from each other. So from Amsterdam, we are saying goodbye. Goodbye. From Bye. Orlando, goodbye as well. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thank you.